Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about the concept of the complex sale as opposed to the simple sale. And when you hear complex sale, remember that on the other side of that, there's a complex buy happening. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely missing opportunities that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with our conversation about the complex sale and the complex buy. I was talking with a a prospective customer recently about their lack of growth. And as we talked through their pipeline, I noticed their lack of targeting was a key factor that was actually slowing their growth. They were writing a lot of proposals, but they, they weren't really winning that many of them. And so I said something to the effect of, well, the proposal is the last step in the complex process, in a complex sale. So you're starting too far downstream from these proposals. And of course, our first question is, what do you mean a complex sale? What do, what do you mean <laughs> downstream compared to what? Yeah, I, I realize that the complex sale versus the simple sale, it's a concept I use a lot, but including on the podcast a lot. But we never really clearly defined it. So let's do that in this episode and kind of go through the key differences between the simple sale and the complex sale. Okay, but first, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Andrew Lee. He's the CEO of Surf Big Data. They're out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Andrew's company, Surf Big Data, is a small business that specializes in data analytics, cybersecurity, and even FedRAMP certified cloud computing. I want to thank Andrew for liking and sharing our content because likes and shares matter. The best way for people to find our podcast is for people like Andrew to share it. Thanks, Andrew. Let's start with the simple side of the problem here, the simple sale. A simple sale is a sale that requires only one decision maker. You can generally identify a simple sale or a simple buy through two factors. What's the scale? What's the quantity, the size of the buy, either in number of items or dollar value, or what's the risk of making the wrong decision? So if you have a small quantity and there's low risk of failure, meaning that you're buying commercial items, there's lots of past performance history, it's likely that you're dealing with a simple sale. It's what you see is what you get. Yeah, In the simple sale, the seller is dictating the process. You know you're dealing with a simple sale when you see things like click here to buy, Sign here, and here are your financing options, or you're approved, or after you click, it says we will ship it tomorrow. The seller was dictating the process in those scenarios. You're just saying, yes, I like your process. Give it to me. I will buy that. I'll take one of those. There you go. That's pretty simple. On the other side is the complex sale, and a complex sale generally has more than one decision maker. Complex sales or enterprise sales are driven by two primary factors. Again, scale, the amount of the product to service, the length of the agreement. At scale, literally anything can become a complex sale. If you buy one widget, maybe just one person makes that decision. If you buy 30 million widgets, (laughs) there might be more people involved. It might be, yeah. There's scale and there's risk. If the buyer has no experience with the seller, or the technology being bought, and doesn't understand 
whether or not this solution will actually meet their needs within their budget, they're going to need help buying. And that's where we get more than one decision maker involved. These two factors, scale and risk, they drive the customer to want to influence or, or in some cases control the, the buying process. In other words, the person who has the power shifts from the seller, meaning click here to buy. Now it's the buyer who can create this process. And the government buyer has created a complex process to deal with scale and risk. If you're familiar with the government acquisition process or you've been listening to the podcast, then you're familiar with these indicators of the complex sale. Does this sound familiar? The buyer can limit access to only specific interested suppliers like through small business set-asides or sole source acquisitions, justification and approvals. The buyer can post requests for information or draft requests for proposals. The buyer can define what the proposal has to look like. Instead of just getting a sales pitch or a glossy proposal from every seller in their format, you can dictate what font is used and on how many pages of the proposal. The government version of the complex sale or the complex buy also includes multiple decision makers. We've talked about the three deciders. Who are the players that are really making the decisions? And the biggest indicator of a complex sale is the time. Think about how long the government buying process and therefore the industry sales cycle becomes. We have episodes covering everything in, the, in this list. We've just never said these are indicators of a complex sale. And that's why salespeople or, or business development people are needed through this process is that if you're just going on Amazon and just clicking to buy, the buyer doesn't need help with that, doesn't need help right. understanding the process. Likewise, the seller has the process in place. You need salespeople to navigate this process. And you also need acquisition people on the government side <laughs> to facilitate the process. In, the first <laughs> in order to mitigate the risk of buying the wrong thing, and spending a whole lot of money because you're buying at scale or buying things that are very expensive, the government has created a very complex buying process. And this is true in large organizations anywhere. It's not just on the government side. Anytime that you're buying at scale, there's more risk, more dollars at stake. There's more people involved. And there are filters. There, there end up being purchasing steps. And there are different stakeholder approvals. And these are designed to reduce the risk of making the wrong buying decision. And you add the additional wrinkle that when you're buying for the government, you're also spending taxpayer dollars. Stewards of the taxpayer interest. And so on top of all these other processes, the consequences of screwing that up can become political, public, legal. It just it makes the risk mitigation even more of an issue. That's one of the reasons that complex sales tend to be even more numerous in the government market than they are in the commercial market. And if any of our listeners have worked for a very large corporation, they might take issue with what you just said, that, that the government is more complex. Because I think large commercial organizations have just as confusing and complex processes, or can. And some of our customers have a lo very long buying process, just like the government, because they're, they're large companies. But we also have small business customers that it's, it's one phone call, because the, the decider is the person who owns the company. <laughs> right. So we, we get both. But yes, large organizations are just as risk-averse as the government. Let me give some quick examples of simple versus complex sale. I think, I think we've sort of explained it, but let's talk about it outside of the government world. If you're trying to decide where to go with a couple buddies for lunch, you leave the office, there's a simple set of choices to make. Eh, we'll go here, we'll go there. 
if you're trying to choose a catering company for your wedding or, or for your office holiday party, it gets a little more complex. Suddenly you're getting bids and looking at multiple vendors because you don't want it to go wrong if there's hundreds of people involved. You've increased the scale because it's not just the three of you going out to lunch at whatever's open. And you've increased the risk because it's a wedding. It's a one-shot deal. Don't screw it up. Your choices for where to eat lunch are limited. There's some sort of radius around where you're starting from. Where, where can we go eat and get back in time to make it a legitimate lunch break and not all day? If you're talking catering companies, they could come from another state to cater it. The number of options is so much greater. Let's talk about advisory support. Suppose you're choosing a database tool to analyze government contract spending data. There's a couple out there that you can search on the web and make a couple clicks, and next thing you know, you're looking at the data. But if you're going to choose a consulting firm to help you navigate the government acquisition processes, it's complex. Because you went from what is the data to what do I do with the data? And so now you've increased the risk. And you may have increased the, the, the scale also, depending on how much data you're, you're collecting. But mo in, in this scenario, it's the risk that makes it more complicated. And now you have hundreds of options to choose from, and you need to narrow that down to the consultants that can solve your specific need. And in the case of Skyway, people come to us because they want the, the former contracting officer's perspective. There are lots of consulting firms, but that's the niche that we bring. Shameless plug. One more example. Suppose you want to put a deck on your house. <laughs> You're always building a deck. How many decks do you have on your house now? It's just easy to understand. Actually, Fair enough. actually, don't suppose you're building a whole deck. Suppose you just want to choose what kind of stain to put on the deck. You go to the store. There's a few choices. You choose all by yourself. You bring it home. You stain your deck. That's different than if you want to have someone build an entire new deck. If you're putting a patio on the back of your house, you may get quotes from multiple vendors. Now it's sounding more complex, isn't it? But it's scale and risk. If you buy the wrong stain, you go back to the store, you buy the other one, and you redo it. If you choose the wrong vendor to build a deck and it falls off the back of your house and hurts people, that's a problem. And you're choosing the evaluation criteria in the building of that deck. You, you may decide to pass performance is more important than price. Whereas when you walk into Home Depot and buy stain, the market's decided what's more important because there's a bucket of stain right there. Exactly. Let's link this to the time zones. We're Obviously, we're talking about the acquisition time zone side of the equation here. This is, this is the requirement zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone. When we're talking about scale, do we have requirements for one or many? Can we buy commercial products or do we have to design something new? Can we buy commercial products that are low risk because the market has already proven them out? Or are we designing something new, which is higher risk? And then in the market research zone, how many companies can make this? What type of companies can do this? How big does the contract have to be? How, how big can the contract be? in order for companies to be able to deliver effectively. All of those are complexity based on risk mitigation and scale. And that drives you to how are you going to write your request for proposal? Are you going to write it for a complex solution? Or are you just going to get quotes for commercial items and buy one based on price? Or, or maybe not even get quotes. You just literally go to the GSA schedule and click to buy it <laughs> buy. because you realize it. Yeah, you realize it's, it, you may discover this is a simple sale because something's already available. Understanding the difference between simple and complex sales is important for the podcast. 
because we usually talk about complex sales. We don't spend a lot of time on the the simple side with the one click. Even when we've talked about simplified acquisition procedures, we've included complex sale examples. The simplified acquisition procedures, that was episode 51, and they were still multi-million dollar contracts that we talked about. So simplified acquisition procedures doesn't draw the line between what's a simple sale and what's a complex sale or buy. Correct. A simple sale, I mean, we're talking like credit card purchases, items that are under the micro-purchase threshold, which is currently $3,500. And this is simple because one person can decide to buy it. One person needs to buy a monitor for their government office. They literally can go on and just buy it with a government credit card. That's a simple sale. They do happen in government. But the key here is you need to understand how does your customer buy? Because if you approach them with a simple sales strategy and they buy through the complex sale, you're not going to get anywhere. And you're going to frustrate that customer. In the complex sale, it's more than one customer. More than one person is normally deciding these things. Or even if there's only one person who officially decides, more than one person is involved. So if the source selection authority in a large acquisition is the decider, they're not deciding in a vacuum. There's a lot of people involved in that decision. Let's talk about complex sales or buys from the government perspective. Why is it important to the government? Complex sales on the government side, they impact the entire organization. You've got CETA contracts, which is systems engineering technical assistance contracts. They may affect the whole agency. Some agencies have one CETA contract for the whole agency. You'll have network services support contracts that support the entire agency. One of the contracts that I supported was a couple hundred million dollar contract that was for our whole command. That's a complex sale. Even though it's a simple thing, keep the network running, it's a complex sale. Or in a lot of my career, I was working with the military and the intelligence community, buying things that affect not only the agency strategically, but but potentially the, the country, you know, buying technologies that extend military or intelligence gathering capabilities. It's a big deal and very complex and the ability of the agency to, to meet its mission is what we're dealing with here i mean the, the complexity of the contract structure they can provide at scale nurses doctors and chiropractors for the va for for veterans that scale makes this more complicated it's not just a matter of click to buy nursing support right if you were just buying one nurse <laughs> that might be easy but for an agency very complex and it's not complexity just for complexity's sake. The government didn't create a giant acquisition process with a huge, thick book of federal acquisition regulations just for the fun of it. (laughs) It's designed to reduce that risk. Government folks should understand what each step of that process is supposed to accomplish and embrace the industry sales machine on the other side of that. This gets back to the, the open communications. Government folks have... Request for information, RFIs that they're releasing. Why are you doing that? Just because you have to or because you're trying to narrow the pool? You have industry days and one-on-ones and draft RFPs. Use those to ruthlessly shrink the pool of competitors. What, What I mean is share enough specific information to allow companies, sellers, to self eliminate or to decide to team with the most qualified primes. Full and open competition doesn't mean that your requirements have to be so generic that every single company in the industry can win. You want to aim for the magic number of proposals, which is, Kevin? Three. 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 You want to get down to competition, 
where the other companies know someone else is competing, so you get their best offer. If you're not actually using the steps of the government acquisition process to narrow down that pool, you'll get your best, best offer from 100 companies. I think one of the reasons that losing competitions can be so just maddening for contractors is because this is a long journey. And if, they, if you're not targeting on the government side and you're getting lots of people who don't have a much, as much of a chance to win, they don't know that. The amount of time they've invested in this journey makes them less likely to give up on it. Right. And that's an added wrinkle of the complex sale is that people get embedded in it and they stay with it longer than they should. And they don't walk away because well, we're 90% of the way there. We should just stick with this, which means that's where protests come from. That's where proposals right. are not qualified. It, it leads to pain. A lack of understanding of sunk costs makes it difficult for companies to back away once they get in deep. This is why for government folks, the earlier you can convince companies to back out of the competition, the fewer companies make it to the end of the process. And those companies are more likely to be able to satisfy your requirements. You don't want companies to finally understand during the debriefing after you've awarded to someone else. You don't want them to then finally first understand, oh, I didn't ever had a chance to win in the first place. I didn't understand what you're really looking for. Now I get it. No, no, no. You want to get that out of the way during the RFI phase if you can. As soon as they submit information that says, here's what I do. Here's how I do it. You should be able to communicate back to them and say, that's not going to work for us. And it's very different from as a buyer when you go onto their website and not buy anything, they didn't even notice. It didn't impact them. It didn't create work for them. Right. Whereas on the complex sale, you created work for them. I didn't see this as clearly as a CEO. I'm creating work for them. And if that work generates no success, that's why debriefings are cranky. (laughs) So industry folks, recognize that most government acquisitions are going to be a complex sale. There are exceptions like the, the micro purchase under $3,500 I talked about, and then maybe multiple award schedules, multiple award contracts. That we did an episode about that with Vicky. The streamlined processes may make it feel more like a, a simple sale, but most of the time they're going to be complex. So, applying simple sales techniques, thinking that you can just post on a website, hey, I've got these for sale, is pretty perilous in the government world. And if your sales force is treating this like a simple sale, then things like caller ID means that the government folks are going to ignore you because if all you're doing is calling and calling and calling, <laughs> they're not, they're, they have spam filters and they have unsubscribe buttons. That they're, your, your emails may be bombing the rubble, meaning that you have all these emails. You got the contracting officer's email or the whoever's email from some database. They're not paying attention because they're, they're not looking for one thing. Just getting an email address is not the end of the battle here because not all the people that want to buy actually have the ability to buy. In the complex government buy, the complex industry sale, it takes all three deciders to actually complete an acquisition. We talked about the three deciders in episode 167. Remember, it's the, the user, the economic decider, and the contracting officer. Without the contracting officer, the user might love it. The economic decider, the person with the money, might love what you're selling. But the contracting officer may not have a way to buy it. If that contracting officer has a multi-award contract or multiple award schedule or IDIQ contract that they usually buy through, and there are vendors that have those contracts that sell exactly what you sell, and you're not 
on those schedules, you don't have one of those contracts, you may sell to the user and the economic decider, and the contracting officer may say, okay, I'll go buy this from someone else because I can just push a button. On the economic decider side, if the user loves what you sell and the contracting officer has a way to buy it, they can't do that without the funding available. And if we're talking a large, large government acquisition, this budget has to be decided years in advance. And not even when you say large, we're not talking billions. I mean, just if it's a couple million dollars, that's somebody's budget that was booked out you know, two years ago. So that goes back to where you were at the very beginning of this conversation. If you aren't in that process way upstream, then the economic deciders have not budgeted to buy what you sell. And without the user's input, the economic decider may have money and the contracting officer may have the mechanism to acquire it. But they may acquire the wrong thing or, or acquire it from your competitor without you in the industry building that advocacy for your product on the user side, specifically your product. So it is complex. You have to have all of these people on your side to be successful before the request for a proposal is even released. Okay, this is really complex, and we could make it more complex by talking about it for hours and hours and hours. Let's not. Let's wrap it up here and save the rest of the complexity for future episodes. The big takeaway for me is you got to know the difference between the simple sale and the complex sale in the context of the government market. Both sides need to understand the difference. On the government, don't, don't treat the complex sale like it's a simple sale. Sometimes, and I, I was guilty of this as a CEO, when I had a source selection, I would think, okay, we're down to the final three companies. Let's just find something simple to compare them. You have all these evaluation criteria for a reason. The seller is trying to meet the needs of all those deciders. That's what that complexity is. And the source selection process or, or the fair opportunity process is designed to, to, to meet that need. If we box out this complexity to the point where we're trying to focus all of the decision-making through one lens – then we risk poor communication because now we're taking a complex sale and we're treating it like a simple one. And most government contract buys are going to be complex. As a contracting officer, remember FAR time? We didn't have FAR time in this episode, so <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in here. FAR 1.102-2 through 4 says the government must not hesitate to communicate with the commercial sector as early as possible in the acquisition cycle. That screams to me, and they should put in there dot, 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 because this is a complex sale. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to all be talking. On the industry side, likewise, don't act like it's a simple sale. Don't, don't use simple sale tactics. Uh, make sure you're targeting, you're adding value, you're engaging with targeted customers. You're not just engaging with anybody who ha happens to be within earshot of your email address. Shaping is part of this process, and then competing is part of this process. I think too many contracting officers, including myself, I'd gotten proposals from offers who they were just throwing darts. They, they wanted to sell to our agency. They knew somebody in our organization actually would buy. They would not take the time to target. And it doesn't take too long for us to be cynical. As a contracting officer, I found myself getting cynical, and I would assume that everybody was throwing darts. And that's, number one, it's not the case. But number two, it shouldn't be the case. So the more darts you throw as a contractor, the worse you make this process. So please don't do that. <laughs> I'll go back to what I said earlier. Government folks, embrace the fact that you are in a complex buying situation and there are tools available in the government acquisition toolbox that make it easier for you to find the right company for your needs. There are steps specifically inserted in the process to help you weed out the unworthy and get down to the company that's most likely able to deliver 
on time, on cost, and to meet your requirements. If you don't embrace those steps and allow the process to function, if you cut off communications, then complex sales or complex buys become nearly impossible sales or impossible buys. And with that weird statement, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. If you're struggling with a complex sale, Skyway Acquisition can help. Visit AskSkyway.com to learn how. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Simple sale. A simple sale is just stop.